U.S. men's national team is on to the quarterfinals of the 2013 Gold Cup after a so-so performance against Cuba. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. As always with me is a very tan Ivis Glarsep. What's up, man? Oh, I wouldn't. I don't know if I'd say very tan. I think I'm going to have to say uh, very sunburned after spending the day uh, out with the family. Really? I'm surprised you don't tan. No, I tan, but... Uh, this you know this is like the first real day of like spending all day out in the sun and you know I did, you know no suntan lotion and just go out there hardcore and get a nice burn and uh, I'm feeling it right now and I'm sure I'll feel it more tomorrow when I'm driving up to Connecticut for USA Costa Rica. Oh, dude, I'm the worst man. As a half ginger, I go from like white to red in like three seconds. It's I need I had to put sunscreen on like 50 times when I'm outside. It's horrible. I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure all gingers know what I'm going through right now. Yeah, you got to wear like SPF like a hundred to. to oh, be I know. Out there. I, I can't buy like anything under thirty. It always has to be uh, over fifty. But uh, hopefully that ride, you can put some aloe vera on. I'm sure it'll be okay on that ride up to uh, up to uh, up north, north of you. Not too far. How long is that drive, by the way? Two and a half, probably two and two hours, two and a half hours. That's not too bad. Well, yeah, like you said, the U.S. is going to be taking on Costa Rica on Tuesday. Um, lots to talk about, Ivis, as we always do. On this show, got to recap uh, all the MLS action from this weekend, talk about Americans abroad, got to talk about the Gold Cup in general, and of course, talk about the game against Cuba and preview the game against Costa Rica, since uh, this show's between both games. But as we said in the Cuba game, um, you know, not, not the greatest performance from the U.S. men's national team. I mean, obviously, the first half, we can forget about that. Very strong second half. Uh, I mean, what was your initial reaction from the game, from, from what you saw? Well, I'll tell you what. I, I don't know if I came away from this game thinking, oh, man, what a horrible game or so-so game. I thought they played well. They obviously didn't start well. First 30, 35 minutes, uh, I think I think they paid the price for the fact that it was a, uh, there were a lot of wholesale changes to the lineup. You had guys who were kind of fi- figuring each other out. You also had Breck Shea playing what, you know, for my money, is probably the worst half uh, by a national team player, I think, since – since Jonathan Bornstein's Gold Cup final meltdown in 2011, I mean, he was just atrocious. Um, it, it, it was unbelievable how bad he was. So I think, you know, you had that. You had Edward Castillo with a few meltdowns early defensively. But once they got over that, once they made the halftime sub, took Brekshay out, the team settled down and really started to play. And Cuba also began to wear down, uh, which they did for the second straight match at the Gold Cup, where, you know, same thing against Costa Rica. They 0-0. They go into halftime, and then in the second half, they get torn apart. And, uh, you know, credit to the U.S. Uh, you know, they kept they, they, they got the goal they needed before halftime to tie things up after that shock Cuba goal. Um, and, and then second half, they just turned it on. And, uh, you know, credit to uh, a bunch of guys, Joe Corona, Landon Donovan, Chris Wondolowski, obviously, Kyle Beckerman. You had quite a few players step up. Um, for, for, for to take things away from this game, because there were some, you know, like you said, questionable performances in the first half. Did anyone... You know, obviously Breck Shea, but did anyone else play themselves out of the next game? I don't know about that. I mean, let's see. The the thing you have to remember is, I mean, there, I think there were a lot of guys in this game who never were really going to be a part of the next game. I think it, I think Klinsman, Jurgen Klinsman wanted to rotate his squad, keep the fresh legs. He, I think his I think his goal was always, or his key focus was always this Costa Rica game. 
and uh, you know, getting making sure he had the right guys with the fresh legs uh, to take it to Costa Rica to beat Costa Rica. Uh, you know, not just to win the group, but just to send a message. You know, obviously, you know, the snow game in March, the U.S. won that game, and there was all this talk about how it wasn't fair that the U.S. played in snow and they made Costa Rica play in the snow. And obviously, Costa Rica made a big stink about that. I have to believe. Uh, Jurgen Klinsmann wants to take it to them, wants to beat them. This is a pretty strong Costa Rica team, mind you. I mean, they're mm-hmm. missing a few guys. Uh, you know, Brian Ruiz, Kaylor Navas, obviously they're missing some, a couple of their top guys, but they have they have a really strong, I mean, when, team, when you talk about the teams in this tournament that you could say have anywhere close to an A team in, of the top teams, you have to say Costa Rica and then you have to say Panama. Those Those are the two teams that come the closest to having uh, full A teams. So they're going to present a great challenge to, to the U.S. I'm sure Klinsman's aware of that. And I think if they can win that game and win it convincingly, I mean, that would be the most impressive win, uh, I think, that they've had since the Jamaica win in Jamaica. Well, I mean, Jurgen's even said that, that, you know, he's in quote, you know, everybody has respect for Belize and Cuba, but the benchmark for us starts with Costa Rica. And, and how think about this, Ivis. How great is this? The U.S. is playing Costa Rica for a chance to win the group, which would be outstanding. And then when they kick off World Cup qualifying, they play Costa Rica again. How great is that? Right. Well, I mean, we all know that going to San Jose in September is going to be a completely different animal than playing them in East Hartford in a Gold Cup game. In Connecticut, I mean, it's just it's night and day, but it still matters. This game's still important. It, it's definitely a great test for this group, this group, this particular group of American players, and that's why I think you're going to see, uh, you're going to see the team that I think Klinsman uh, envisions to be his squad to take him through the knockout rounds. I think it starts now. I think you're going to see, you know, uh, the the players that he 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 believes are the best guys on this roster. Well, do you see any, I mean, not that I want to get ahead. Well, let's talk about the game real quick before we get ahead of ourselves. Wondolowski playing with a lot of confidence right now. What are you seeing out of him that, that's all of a sudden turned him into this goal-scoring machine when we didn't see him before performing at this level? Okay. I just want to say, let me preface what I'm about to say by saying mm-hmm. this has been a great run for Wondolowski. It's great confidence building for him. He's definitely earned this opportunity. He's a hardworking player. He, he scored a ton of goals in MLS. He can play. Now, having said all that, people need to calm the heck down <laughs> about this little this run that he's been on. Because look, look, folks, look at the three games that they played, the three opponents that they have played: Guatemala, Belize, and Cuba. And and it was a Guatemala team that is absolutely in rebuilding mode, a young Guatemala team, uh, you know, not ready for prime time Guatemala team. So you're talking about three of the weakest opponents the U.S. is going to ever play, all in a row. And one and Wondolowski's torn them up, and you know what? You still have to score your goals, right? If the chances mm-hmm. come, you got to finish. And he's them. had he's good. Done. He's had good. He's had quality finishes on some of them. Some of them have been easy, but some of them have been right. nice too. Right. I'm not taking that away from him. You know, listen, he he he's finished his chances, and, and you can't take you can't take that away from him. But people, but I mean, it, I found I was I was kind of I, I I feel like some people were just in too much of a hurry to drop the aha. I told you so. I told you this guy's the man. He's gonna be in Brazil. He's gonna. He he has booked his place. He's on the doorstep. No, folks, he's not. We are in July of 2013. The World Cup is a long way away. Okay, and you know, I we will find out a lot more in the next two weeks than we ever would have found out in this past two weeks. Okay, that's this is where we're really going to see what the deal is because 
you know, these these guys, these teams that they've been playing and these players that they've been playing have been not have been just let's face it, not good, right? Now they're going to play a Costa Rica team that hasn't allowed a goal, I think, since the snow game, right? And and it's pretty much their 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 first choice defense. I mean, their goalkeeper, you know, is in Spain, and you know, their top goalkeeper, Kaylin Navas, quality goalkeeper, he won't be there, but it's still going to be a great challenge. This now these next four games, the Costa Rica game and the knockout rounds. You know, yes, assuming the U.S. gets to the final, that you're talking about four games. Those four games are going to be the real measuring stick. And after those four games, you can start talking about, okay, he's done this, he's done that. He's made his case to be on the full squad. Uh, and, he, you know, and even then, I mean, like, slow down, folks. The, the World Cup's a whole other thing. Making that team's a whole other thing. It's going to be a process. Uh, and, and it, it, not, like, nothing he does now, I, I, like, nothing that he has done in his mm-hmm. past two weeks has meant a thing for Brazil. What it has meant something for is the Gold Cup and his confidence. And you got to give him a ton of credit. He is feeling it. And f- for forwards, as we saw with Josie Altador, confidence means so much. And now we're going to see. Can it carry over? Can he produce as the opponents get tougher? When you start facing teams like Costa Rica, Honduras, Panama, eventually probably Mexico. That's when we're going to see what the real deal is. And you know what? If he keeps doing well, right? I don't think he's going to keep up this this crazy scoring rate. There's no way it's going to happen. But if he can still find goals here and there... Uh, I think he will have done well enough to earn at least a place in in the qualifiers come September, right? But, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. anyone saying starting, starting in a qualifier, settle down, folks. These games, these opponents just haven't been that good. But it does mean something. It just doesn't mean as much as some people want to say it means. I know. My, I, I could I could already see it on Twitter. Everyone go, oh, Wondolowski, blah, blah, blah. I mean, you still have guys like Josie Outdoor ahead of him, Hercules Gomez ahead of him, and Terrence Boyd probably still well, that, ahead of him, and right. Johnson well, well, that, still ahead of him. Well, here, here's my thing, right? I mean, not to t- – listen, and I, and I don't want anyone to think I'm, I'm bashing Wanda. I have a ton of respect for Wondolowski. He's, I've always said he's a much better player than a lot of people think he is. And I still feel that way. There's a lot of people who just don't don't buy into him having any quality or being any good. I think he's quality, but I still I'm not going to jump the gun on these on these games because I tell you what, folks, if Terrence Boyd was playing in these games, if Terrence Boyd had the chance to play Guatemala, a Guatemalan, a young Guatemalan team, a Belize team, a Cuba team, he would have some goals, folks. He would have he would absolutely have some goals. Um, so, you know what? We'll see what happens. We'll see. I personally think he's going to start against Costa Rica. Mm-hmm. Great opportunity because you, you really have to see it. You have to see if he can do it against the tougher team. Um, and then you had some other guys having some good performances. Kyle Beckerman, I thought, had a good game. I mean, uh, he set up uh, uh, you know two more goals in this game. Joe Corona, excellent goal. Uh, and Michael Roscoe had a, had a very good game. I mean, as far as the other guys, w- w- including those guys, any other guys that impressed you from this game? Well, my man of the match and SBI man of the match was Joe Corona for my money. And I tell you, I found it interesting. There was a ton of uh, a push for Landon Donovan, right? And it's amazing to me how, look, he played well. I'm not going to say he didn't play well. But I just feel like, it, I just get the sense that when he does well, it's it like it's magnified in some people's eyes, like the just the 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 impact that it that that he has. I mean, he he did have an impact. He turned it on in the second half. But my, my thing was for Joe Corona, I thought in the first half when the team looked shaky, when the team just looked out of sorts, he was one of the few guys who actually looked like he knew what he was doing. And he carried that over in the second half. And, and I felt it was interesting. I was actually watching the game on, on Univision and uh, in Spanish. And, and one of the commentators uh, was actually 
kind of getting on him and, and saying, you know, he hasn't really done much this game yet. And literally, I don't know, five seconds later after he says that, mm-hmm. Joe Corona scores the goal. And it's, it, and it's beautiful, right? He's just it hit, the, hit, hit the beautiful uh, shot to, to finish. And you know what? I'll tell you what. You can take, for me, it, it was tough to separate Corona, Beckerman, Wondolowski, Donovan. I thought those four guys together were pretty comparable. They, they all stood out. They all had, they all had really good games. Uh, you know, I picked Corona because, like I said, I thought in the first half, when other guys were either invisible or struggling, he was in the mix. He was he was breaking up plays. He was he was connecting on passes. So that that's why I, he got the edge for me over say Alan and Donovan, who really turned it on in the second half. Chris Wondolowski, who scored his goals in the second half. And that's the thing. And one more thing, one more point I do want to make. And people need to realize this, right? You have to look at the context of 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 when in the games team uh, players are doing these things and and what the opponents. Are doing at the time because it's clear for anyone who watched the game, Cuba had a strong 35 minutes in them, a strong 35, 30, 35 minutes in them, and then they wore out and then they were done. They were toast. Second half, completely different team. They didn't put any pressure on the ball. And, and you know, and I think people need people just have to look at that. You can't ignore that when you evaluate players, when you give players credit and you say, this guy did well, this guy didn't do well, you have to look at that. Because for me, like, perfect example, Mick, Mick Diskerud. Now, mind you, I think Mr. Mick Diskerud has done well mm-hmm. with the time that he's been given. But people need to put it in the context of his performances because now you're talking about a couple of games now where he, is, he has come in to the second half of a game with an opponent who's clearly tired and worn out and, ha- and can't put any pressure on him. And he's dictated the tempo of games. He's he's been he's been passing excellently, connecting, creating chances. But again, he's doing it against opponents that have nothing left. It happened against Guatemala, and now it happened against Cuba. I mean, I was watching this game, and I watched it over, and Disrude would have the ball, and there would be no one around him. And I mean, I'm sorry, folks. He is too good to just let him have 20 yards of space to do what he wants, and he t- and he took advantage of it. So I think that's I think people need to look at that and think about that. When we start talking about lineups and who should start and this and that, because I can guarantee you, I know people, I know there are people that are going to say, "Hey, Mix this group should absolutely be starting in this next game. Kyle Breckman shouldn't be starting because there's there's still that 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 large contingent of of Kyle Breckman doubters slash haters slash critics, whatever. There's a lot of guys, who, a lot of people who just aren't sold on Kyle Breckman. But I would say, listen, this is a guy who has like Cuba, perfect example. From start to finish, the guy was all over the field, connecting passes, first half and second half, and his and the passing stats bore it out. He like if you look at his heat map and you look at all the stats, he was everywhere, and I do, and he doesn't get credit, but yet someone like Disgrude, who comes in, in the second half, no pressure on him, can just dictate the you know pass it wherever he wants under no pressure. He's a guy that I think then then all of a sudden people are are just heaping praise on him. So I would just say, folks, try to put everything in some context. Uh, when you're watching these games. Ivis Galarsep, keeping it real. The next game uh, for the U.S. is going to be, like we said, on Tuesday, taking on Costa Rica. Obviously, that's going to be the benchmark for the team. It's very important because if the U.S. finishes first in the group, they'll probably most likely play uh, Martinique or El Salvador. Those are the teams right now finishing third in their respective groups. And if they don't finish uh, in first place and they uh, and they finish in uh, second place, they could possibly play Honduras. So, the game against Costa Rica is very important. There's going to be a lot of lineup changes, and I think the biggest question mark going into the next game, Ivis, is what do you do about Breck Shea and Edgar Castillo? Well, all right. 
here's what I'd say about Breck Shea, right? Um, I mean, it was clear that he just didn't have it, right? He, I mean, he, he looked extremely rusty. He just looked flat out bad. His touches were bad. His crosses were bad. I feel like every decision he made was bad. I think he had one good cross and, and maybe one other good pass that you could say was a, a, a good pass. And then he had a mountain of turnovers. It was unbelievable. But I, I would say this. People should not just write him off already and say, oh, he's done. He's no good. He's never going to be good again. Listen, you know what? He had a broken foot. He, has, he's, he hasn't played in, in – he hasn't really played much in a year, right? He hasn't played much. So it, the, it's clear that the rust is there. And, and you can kind of understand now why, Brex, why originally Jurgen Klinsmann wasn't even going to bring him into the Gold Cup. Um, it, it, he just doesn't look right, and you know I, I don't know. I don't know if you could put him out there again. As bad as he looked against Cuba, I just don't see how you play him again. You know, or, or definitely not start him again. I mean, I don't. I don't see him starting again in this tournament. Maybe if you have to bring him in as a late sub to give you some fresh legs or give someone to go at the defenses, maybe. But you know what? I, I would say just keep him with the team. Don't throw him out there again. And let him go to go to Stoke City and hope that he can straighten things out. Um, but for right now, he just he just looks awful, and he just I think he need I think I think Klinsman had it right in the beginning. Uh, Brexhade needs to sort out his club situation. He needs to get his game back in order. He's got a lot of rust to shake off. He's got to get his form back. He is so far away from from being being where he was. Um, but I think people just need to take it easy with with the you know. I, I mean, I, I was kind of surprised by it. I, you know, I saw some of the some of the comments, and hey, I you know, listen, I, I had as much fun w- with his struggles as anybody on Twitter. I obviously, you know, gave him some shots, but I, I think some people uh, are are a little too quick to throw him, you know, throw throw him away and say, oh no, you know what, he doesn't have it anymore. Uh, you know, he's never going to do it again. But listen, do you, I mean, the, he's twenty three years old, right? He's twenty three years old. He's young. He still, he's got. He's, I still think he's got a bright future. He just needs to get the rust off, get back to his club team, and, and, and just settle in, right? So I, I'd say, folks, you know, try try to erase that ugly forty five minutes from your brain if you can, and then just let him let him be, let him do his thing, but don't write him off because I just think that's silly. You know, that's not going to happen, Ivis. No, people I, are people are going to remember this forever. They're going to they're always going to go back and go. Uh, bleh, bleh, bleh. You know how people are. They're always going to do that. I mean, I, I was following well, on Twitter too. It was insane what people were saying. Well, that uh, you know what I, I just I just think people don't put. I just think some people just refuse to put things in a proper context, and and you can't just ignore the fact that he hasn't played much, or that he had a broken foot, or that he played with a broken foot last year. Probably shouldn't have, and that that caused things to get worse. Set him back cause this whole thing this whole ball rolling so he needs to get that all sorted out and get his game back and you know what um it's funny because i had someone reach out to me and say you know what is like like basically bashing klinsman and like why does he keep giving this guy chances it just makes no sense and it's clear klinsman sees something in him uh he saw something in him when he was in form and he actually was starting most of the games under Klinsman in the early in the early years, right? I mean, he got a good run of starts. He saw the and Shea showed a lot there, right? And when you see someone that's a 21 year old show so much potential, how do you throw him out at 23? How do you write him off at 23? You don't, right? So the Klinsman's not about to do that. But I think now at this point, Klinsman clearly has to see that you know what. 
I just need I need to just let him focus on his club soccer, leave him alone, don't call him in, and then when he actually shows his progress, then I'll bring him back in. He's he did the same thing with Juan Agadello, uh, you know, not calling him in recently, letting him focus on the club situation, and now he needs to now he needs to do it to Breck Shea. So I, I'd say don't write him off, don't say he's done, don't say oh he's definitely not going to be in Brazil at the World Cup. Come on, folks, have we not seen enough uh, turnarounds? Uh, in the past few years to have learned that you can't write people off. You know what I mean? Like whether it's Eddie Johnson or I mean, or Chris Wondolowski, perfect example. I mean, what, a month ago? He was like, if you told someone, hey, Chris, you, if you told your average non-San Jose-based uh, U.S. fan, hey, Chris Wondolowski should get starts for the national team. He should be on the full national team. Most, most U.S. fans would laugh at you. Now, oh, yeah, he's, on, he's, he's great. He's, you know, so things change quickly in this game. And, you know, I, I think for me, I'm not going to write Shea off. I think if he gets it sorted out, if his foot is healthy and he can get his fitness back, his sharpness back, he, I think he absolutely can still be an option for the World Cup team. Well, Ivis, as I said, the U.S. is taking on Costa Rica on Tuesday. Um, this is obviously the preview for the show, I mean, for that game. Excuse me, this is the show preview for that game. I don't know why I said that. Um, going forward, though, against Costa Rica, what lineup changes are we going to see? Are we going to see Edgar Castillo back up at the midfield with Demarcus Beasley back? Are we going to see Onyewu back at center back? What type of changes are we going to see out of the U.S. team? Well, I think the back four is going to be, if I had to guess, and you know, we'll, I'll post this, you know, I kind of feel bad leaking it on the show. because We don't have to leak the- it. We can tease it right now and say, go check the website later. Mm-hmm. Ivis will have the starting 11 up. We could do that. Or, and get- oh, but, yeah. <laughs> but you know what? The, you know what? I, I'll reward our, our our loyal listeners. Yeah, and everyone, I, thank you for listening. The show's doing amazing. Thank you so much, by the way. That it is. That it is. So I would say this. The back four for me that I see Clemson has been using is Beasley, Onyewu, Goodson, Parkhurst. I thought that was the I thought that was the back four we'd see before the tournament like for the knockout rounds, and I still think that's going to be it. I would say though, Mar- Michael Orozco was really good against Cuba. Uh, he 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 was aggressive, confident, good on the ball. But again, you have to look at the t- look at the opponent, and Cuba really only attacked in the first thirty thirty five minutes. But I thought he I thought he did well. And again, Aguchi Onyewu, you know, sometimes he looks a little shaky. But obviously, Jurgen Klinsmann rates him respects him, gave him the armband for that reason. I just don't see him not starting. And I think uh, at right back, I don't think Tony Beltran did enough. I know he tried to be aggressive, but he just really didn't produce much getting forward. I mean, I know he drew a few uh, free kicks, but, you know, as far as service, he didn't really provide any. Um, I think for me, I still think Michael Parker's is just a better option. Um, I know Beltran's probably a little match, a little sharper match fitness-wise because he's, he's in the midst of an MLS season, but I I just think I think Michael Parkers is going to be the guy right back, and the only way I see that not being the case is if is is if uh, you know Klinsman decides to try uh, Michael Orozco at right back. You know that's something that I don't think I don't think we've heard too much discussion about. But he has played right back. He does play it. Uh, he does play it on the club level. He has played it on the club level, so it's not completely foreign to him. So. That wouldn't shock me, but I still think I still think he goes with Parkers. And then for the midfield, what do you see? I mean, do you see Castillo moving up? I mean, it's funny. There's a quote from Castillo right here going, "I'm not a very good defender." Does he play midfield? And, and then what do we see out of mid- I mean, Beckerman? Did Beckerman punch his starting ticket for the rest of the Gold Cup? I, I think Beckerman starts. As much as some people hate that, as much as there's still, I love some it. People, I, I, I love it. I love Beckerman. I, I, I love Beckerman. Well, I don't care what anyone says about him. 
Well, we well we know. That's why. not shut up. That's not why the guy grinds and he <laughs> so works your, hard. Your Stop RSL it. Tattoo Stop. Your heart I don't have <laughs> one. Stop it. All right, but listen, listen. Okay, Beckerman has earned it, right? I thought he played really well, and I tell you what, I, I actually saw. I, I got a sense that quite a few Beckerman doubters were won over by that Cuba game. I saw that repeatedly. I saw it on Twitter. I saw it on SBI. Uh, people just saying, yeah, you know, I've, I've never, I don't, I've never liked him, but he looked good in that game. So I think maybe people are starting to buy into into understanding what he brings to the table. And then again, anyone who listened to the last show, I gave you the I gave you the Beckham, Beckerman rant last show as to why he needs to be on the team. And and you know he he went out and gave the he gave Exhibit A. You know he showed it. He showed what he brings to the table. And it, and this is what it, this is what uh, like I think people need to understand, right? Is he someone mm-hmm. who I see starting in a World Cup game? No. I don't see that. Is he someone that I see stepping in and starting against a team like Spain or Brazil and playing well? No, I don't know if I necessarily see that either. But on the Gold Cup team against CONCACAF competition, that I think that's absolutely his wheelhouse. And I think he can be very good there. And I think he has been and I think he will be. I think against these opponents that you're about to see now, Costa Rica, the Honduras, Panama, Mexico, I think he can do well there. And and that's and, and I think maybe some people just they write him off because he because of the the limitations because he doesn't have that that mystery about him because you know it's always about the players that you don't know much about or you haven't seen much of yet there's just some people who always assume that the mystery will turn into into mastery and it turn into you know this guy's gonna be you know skyrocket to Europe because you know we don't know much about him but it's that it's that unknown like the guys with the unknown factor. Always in my just just from what I see, always get the benefit of the doubt over the over the veterans, over the guys who've been around, who seemingly have low upside. And I think Beckerman falls victim to that. But he, you know what? He deserves it. He'll be there. He'll start. Well, what do you see? Okay. Well, who else is who else is playing in the midfield then? Well, that, I tell you what. After that, it gets a lot tougher to to figure out. I mean, for me, I think Holden Stuart Holden starts. He didn't have a good game against Cuba. He didn't have a great game against Cuba. I wouldn't say he had a bad game, mm-hmm. but it, but he he's he's kind of set the bar so high for himself with these first couple games with the Guatemala game, with the Belize game. He set the bar so high for himself that when he came back down to earth and had a bit of a normal average game, it looked weird. It looked, looked like he wasn't it looked like he played badly, but he really didn't, you know, he moved the ball around. Uh he wasn't as he didn't have as much of an impact in the attack as he's had in other games. But I still think he's the guy. I still think you know what? It's clear. It's been clear from day one. Klinsman sees the upside. Klinsman sees the potential for Stuart Holden when he's at when he's all the way back as someone that who could start on the full senior team, right? I think that's the that's the the long the long term view that I see Klinsman. That's the reason Klinsman is putting so much into him. Is investing so much in him. Has taken you can argue has taken a chance with him, bringing him in in, in June when he hadn't played much on the club side. Uh, you know what? He, Klinsman is it, it, he sees it, right? He sees that, and for that reason, I just think you know what you got. This is all part of that process. You have to play him against Costa Rica. You have to, for me, play him in all the knockout round games if he's healthy. If he's if there's no issues and he's not you know sore or anything like that. If he can go, you play him in every single game. You let him develop. You see what he can do because he absolutely has the most upside in the entire midfield. And that's not no knock against Mixtiscarud. Or, or Joe Corona or, or Bedoya or any or Jose Torres, any of those other guys, Holden is that diamond in the rough. Holden is, out of all those guys, only one of those guys played in the Premier League 
and played at a high level in the Premier League. That was Stuart Holden. And that's what that's what Jurgen Klinsmann sees. He sees a guy who at one point before all these injuries was doing extremely well in one of the top leagues in the world. Mm-hmm. And and that's that's why you gamble. That's why you put you invest in a guy like that. Because you know what? If he gets it all if he gets all the way back and maybe even a little more you you got yourself an amazing midfield. When you think about Michael Bradley and Stuart Holden in the same midfield, I mean, it, uh, you know, a hundred percent Stuart Holden back to his best. I mean, U.S. fans have dreams about that. I can say it right now, and th- and I think Jurgen Klinsmann has dreams about that because he knows what that could mean, and that's why I think Holden starts. Makes this group. I don't know if he starts because uh, for the same reasons I've told you. You know, he's done well, but it's all about context, and I and I guarantee you, Klinsmann is aware of the context. Um, so if you have Beckerman and Holden in the middle, then you got to go on your wings. I think Edgar, Edgar Kesti was such an enigma, right? Cause he, he great on the know, attack looks great, great on, on the, the attack. attack. Great. It's just completely clueless as a, as a defender, right? So you play him in the midfield, you see what he can do. But the funny thing is he attacks much better from the left back position than he does when he's further up the field. Um, so that's the question. Do you go with him or do you go with Jose Torres, who's not really a pure winger? He's not a winger, really, but he's left-footed. He's someone who can float to that side of the field, provide service. I would say it's a little tougher to get away with Jose Torres on the flank against a team like Costa Rica, a team who's strong on the flanks Mm -hmm. like Costa Rica. So for that reason, I think Castillo might be a little bit more of a, of a fit, you know, even though, hey, look, he's not a great defender by any means. But I think Castillo he, he to easily. It. What? He admitted to it. Right. I mean, he said it. I mean, he's pretty much, he's, he's, <laughs> he said, he's, he's all but said, I hate defending. I mean, that, that's all that's left for him to do is to come to, you know, come to practice with a I hate defending t-shirt on, right? That's all he needs to do. Maybe he should score and then lift his jersey and it'll have a I hate defending shirt on underneath it. <laughs> Or I don't need to defend. There yeah, you go. Exactly. <laughs> who, who needs defense? There you go. That, that's the T-shirt. He, he could do his Balotelli series of T-shirts. But listen, Beasley and Castillo together on the on the left wing can, can work. It can be effective. Okay, and then we're, we're, I guess we're, we're running late on the purpose of three shows. Was this, this was the short? It was the short. I know, no, I know, I know. We're going into it uh, quickly. Who's up top? Quickly before we go into the rest of the Gold Cup, and, and we continue. <laughs> well, w- people w- want to w- know. Wondolowski and Landon Donovan up top. I- I'll go Joe Corona on the right, even though he's played every single game. Uh, you know, and he played. He played. I think he played ninety this this last game. Uh, I'm gonna go Joe Corona up because he's he's just a horse. He he doesn't get tired apparently. So I go Joe Cronin right, Landon Donovan, Her- uh, Landon Donovan and Wondolowski. Surprisingly enough, Hercules Gomez, I, I'm not sure I see him starting because I just thought he struggled against Cuba. And in fairness to him, he wasn't getting service. The the attack was just completely lost the first part of that, the first half of that game. But it, but I just think with Wondolowski playing as well as he is, you kind of have to stick with the hot hand. Uh, the U.S., uh, like we said, taking out Costa Rica on uh, Tuesday. A uh, couple streaks going off for them. They're on a seven-game uh, winning streak right now, which is tied for the longest in history. So if they get eight, that will be uh, very impressive for, for this team to have uh, an eight-game winning streak. The rest of the Gold Cup action right now, Canada is out. Mexico has uh, you know, kind of turned things around. They're, they're, they've qualified to the next round. Uh, Panama, as you said, another strong team, has also qualified uh, for the quarterfinals. Um, you know, the rest of the Gold Cup action, what's going on with the rest of it, Ivis? Well, I'll tell you what, Mexico has gotten some results, they're, but they're still, I don't think they're still convincing anybody that they're a team you really see winning this whole thing. I mean, let's, you know, they, 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 the Martinique game, they, they, they beat Martinique, but it wasn't, you know, hey, 
before the tournament, if 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 you told you know you talked about that game, you figure it's a dominated performance, and it really wasn't. It, they didn't really dominate Martinique, mm-hmm. uh, and and then and then the and then the first game, well against the well the Canada game, Mexico Canada, they didn't light it on fire either. Um, so you know what I think I think they're getting better, but again I, I still if the U.S. plays them in the final, I think the U.S. still beats them. Uh, as far as Canada goes, I mean my heart goes out to to our brothers up in Canada. Because I, I, you just, I don't get it, man. They, they, they have the talent, I, in my opinion. They have players, but it's an absolute train wreck. Every, it seems like every tournament, every, whether it's World Cup qualifying, whether it's Gold Cups, it happened in 2011, uh, and this year it's been even worse, right? I mean, mm-hmm. now today, you know, they, they, they're out, they get knocked out, and then in the post game, uh, mix zone where you know the Canadian players are supposed to go through their media interviews. The team skips it. The team just walks. You know, apparently went through a back door. Doesn't even talk to the media. Uh, and apparently it was a quote unquote misunderstanding. But look, you know what, folks? That's I don't buy that. I'm sorry. I fi- that just sounds like a load of crap to me. Um, <laughs> I, I, I wish I had an answer. You know, and obviously they hired a new head coach, uh, and they're looking ahead to 2018. And you know what? They have players, man. They have. Will Johnson's great. He's really, really blossoming. Russell Tybert's, uh, uh, you know, obviously an exciting young player now. You have Camilo Sanvezo, who's Brazilian, but apparently wants to play for Canada. You know, naturalize him. You know, they they, they got they have players. They have guys in Europe. Atiba Hutchinson. They have talent. Simeon Jackson, Simeon Jackson, Rob Friend. What is the deal, Canada? I don't get it. Like, and you know what? I tell you what, and this is the funny thing. Some Canadian fans think, oh, you know, I, as an American, like, I, I love seeing Canada struggle. I want them I, to do well, personally. I want them to do well. I want them to be great. I want them to be strong. Because you know what? For me, that makes the U.S. stronger. That makes the region stronger. Absolutely, man. I, I, I feel like I've been, I've been wanting a good Canada team for years. And, and I've, I've actually caught myself... Always kind of picking them to finally do it, right? I, 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 whether it's World Cup qualifiers or Gold Cup, I, I, the last, I don't know, five years now, I find myself giving them the benefit of the doubt just because, because you kind of want, I, you know, you should want that. I, you know what? U.S. Mexico, that's a rivalry. U.S. fans understandably hate Mexico, right? I don't see, I don't see the reason to hate Canada. You should want Canada to do well because it, it, I, I just think it, it makes for a better, environment in this region but man oh man they it's just it, it it's hopeless up there i don't know what it i, I don't get it maybe that's know? the I, here's the problem stop picking them Ivis. pick against them <laughs> well you know I, I didn't really pick them in this tournament um in this gold cup it, it, it's not me man i you know i hear what i one thing i hear a lot is that it's the organization up there it's the canadian federation it's a mess it's in shambles it's that um so you know, I don't know. They need to, they need they really need to get their act together. And I mean, it, it, it's got. I mean, you know what? If you're a if you're a Toronto based Canadian soccer fan, you're hating life right now because between TFC <laughs> and the Canadian national team, what do you have to root? What do you have to root for? I mean, the women. I guess you have the women, right? The women are still the Canadian women's national team. Good team, fun team to watch. You know, they they are class. They are class. At least you have that. But man, oh man. I feel for I mean I feel for Will Johnson, right? I mean this guy, Will Johnson's a class act, a great player, gives his all. For me, he's a player who I mean it'd be great if he could play in a World Cup, right? Or it'd be even great if he could play in a hex, right? Cuz he's that good. He deserves that. He's quality. 
But I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know if we're going to see it anytime soon. I don't know. I, I don't even know if 2018. I don't know if it's going to happen then either. Toronto, it's not a good fan. I mean, the Blue Jays kind of stink right now. I don't know how the uh, Argonauts right, are just, doing. Just rubbing it in. Well, nice. you know, I'm just, you know, you know. Just, I think you know. they know. I think they know. I think they know about <laughs> their laundry list of, of professional sports uh, failures. I, I don't think they need us to run it down for them. I will say this one thing. If, if Canadians have something like you would think at least is going to be positive about mm-hmm. the whole setup is the fact that, you know, you have three MLS teams now. You have Vancouver, you have Montreal, you have Toronto who have academies or, you know, and they they should be developing more talent. And you like to think that with as those grow stronger, the national team will receive the benefits of that. And I think we should start to see that uh, in the next couple of years uh, with Montreal, with Toronto and especially obviously Vancouver for years. Uh, the Whitecaps have had a great youth development setup over there, so that's not a new deal. Mm-hmm. But I think with Montreal, as Montreal really steps their game up on that front, and and, and Toronto, you know, for all you, you know, they they've put a ton of money into, you know, they they built a, a whole complex up there, uh, and so they they're supposed to be real serious about youth development. Uh, and I think if you get those things going, I think that can only help. Keeping it uh, international soccer related, especially on the Americans abroad front, there's a lot of talk right now, a lot of rumors going around about Clint Dempsey possibly leaving Tottenham. You had an exclusive article on your website, soccerbyivis.net. Everyone could check that out. Um, but I'll, I'll let you summarize a little bit about the, the kind of current status of, of whether or not Clint Dempsey is going to be leaving Tottenham. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll try to catch people up with, with how it kind of all kicked off last week. Uh, a report by the Times of London uh, men- identified Dempsey as as one of the players that Tottenham is looking to shop, one of the players they're looking to unload as they change their roster, as they revamp their roster. And basically the impression that the article gave was that he had been transfer listed and that he's on his way out, out of Tottenham. Uh, I, I, I was lucky enough to speak with his agent, with Clint Dempsey's agent, Lyle Yorks, this weekend, and he 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 categorically refuted that article and said there's absolutely no truth to that. Uh, the, the idea that he that Dempsey is being sh- actively shopped, uh, he's happy at Tottenham, Tottenham's happy with him, uh, and so basically there's nothing to that. Now, having said that, uh, there's always the caveat. When it comes down to it, in the world of, of, of club professional soccer, mm-hmm. every player has a price, right? I think except for maybe Lionel, Lionel Messi, I think every player can be had, right? Every for, for the right number, you can pretty much get any player if you want to just go go nuts and spend bazillions of dollars. With Clint Dempsey, sure, if a team stepped up and made uh, a ten million dollar Amer- ten million American dollar offer or a, a number that was equal or more than what Demp- what Tottenham paid last year, sure, then maybe then a move happens. But Tottenham is not shopping him now. They are not. He hasn't been transfer listed. Transfer listed. He isn't being shopped around at a bargain price. There are a bunch of players who fit that bill at Tottenham. You know, you you have uh, you know, Scott Parker, Tom Huddlestone's already moved. Emmanuel Adebayor is on the way out. Jermaine Defoe is is. I think I just saw that he's linked to Stoke City. So they're cleaning house. And I think for whatever reason, Clint Dempsey's name got put into that mix. Uh, but. From what I was told, and from what from what his agent, Clint Dempsey's agent, uh, what he informed me over the weekend was that nope, he is he's happy there. He's heading back. He's joining their preseason next week. He's going to be in Hong Kong apparently uh, on their preseason tour. So you know he's staying put. And I said it. You know what? I said it last show when you asked me. You know, do I see him staying? Do I see him going? I said I I, I see him staying, and I do see him staying. And the reason is, you know, he, he is he 
like a, a young star player, like uh, like the players that they've been linked to, to trying to get, Leandro Damiao or Paulinho, who they just signed, uh, the Confederation Cup star. No, he's not that kind of player. He's not a $40 million player, $30 million player. But they have him on the team. They, they've seen what he can do. He, he's a great squad player. You can put him in a variety of positions. And now you have a team that, that's looking – they're going to change things up at Aston Villa. Uh, I'm sorry. At, at Tottenham, they're going to change things up at Tottenham for <laughs> formation. Well, you know, I, I don't know why I got it. Yeah, why did you? How did you get that? You got that out oh, of no, nowhere. You know, no, you know what it was because uh, Tottenham's linked to Christian Benteke from Aston Villa. Ah, so that I, I just got a million things going in my head. But back to the point, Tottenham. You know what? He's a perfect fit for for what they. You know, if you're revamping your squad, you're unloading a bunch of guys. You you know, the foe's gone, right? He's going to be gone. Adebayor is probably going to be gone. You, I don't see how you also get rid of Dempsey, right? I mean, for what he, for what he gives you, and and the kind of locker room guy he is, and and the, and the fact that he can come off the bench and he can start, you know, he like why would you unload him, right? Why would you do it? I know there's the, there's that small contingent of people who insist that Dempsey didn't play well, that he really that he did poorly at Tottenham last year, and you know what? I just think that's ridiculous, right? I I think he did well. I think he did well. He, you can't, and I've said it. I'm pretty sure I've said it a million times before. You can't compare what someone does at Fulham when you're the big fish at Fulham, and then say, okay, he didn't do the same exact thing at Tottenham, a much well, bigger he, club. Of course, he's playing next to Gareth Bell, is one of the best players in the world too. Right. I mean, there's, there's you he's know, the yeah, star I mean, of the team. Dempsey's not the star right. of the team. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's a different role. He's in a different role on a different team. It's a much better team. But I think he fits. He fit. He. Fits, he fills a need there, and I think for that reason they're going to keep him. Ivis, there was tons of MLS action this weekend. A couple late goals, a couple controversial calls. Uh, the LA Galaxy Portland Timbers uh, game was very exciting. Portland down down a goal, scores two goals to come back and defeat the LA Galaxy. Andrew Jean Baptiste. Uh, pretty much bull rushed in and, and scored a goal in the 94th minute, ripped off his shirt, and had a big celebration in front of the Timbers army, and uh, a big result for the Portland Timbers. Oh, it was a huge result. And you know what? Here's the thing, right? The Galaxy played well. They could have, they absolutely could have won that game, right? They had a bunch of chances. They, they, they could have taken that game, taken all three points. But you have to give Portland credit. They, they, you know, they, they never stopped playing. It, it was a physical game. And then here's the thing, right? There's a difference between an ugly game where there's not a lot of soccer being played mm-hmm. and, there, and an, intense, uh, an intense battle slash chess match where there's soccer being played. And that's what this Portland-LA game was. You had two teams that were pressuring each other all over the field, fast-paced action, nonstop. Uh, There were tough tackles. There were good challenges, good battles all over the field. But it was soccer. It was quality soccer, in my my opinion. There were definitely some other games that you could not say that about. But as far as this game goes, you have to give Portland a ton of credit to to win a game like that, even when they didn't necessarily play all that well. Uh, you know when you you know when you're talking about the full 90 minutes of it, the Galaxy had more chances. They had more. They had more quality chances. But Portland, give them credit. They they kept it together. Uh, they kept it off the board except for one goal. And then they and then they pull off the comeback. And uh, to do that without the likes of Will Johnson, Rodney Wallace, uh, you know you have to give it to them. Yeah, very impressive. And we talked about this, Ivis, for Portland, that as much as impressive as their 15-game unbeaten streak was, they need to start getting some wins to get some more points in the standings to build a comfortable cushion in that Western Conference because it's very tight right now. Right. I mean, like, and I said last show, 
they're going to get better. And that's the thing that people just look at this this unbeaten streak and think, oh, that's their ceiling. No, that's definitely not their ceiling. Because you know what? They did have a lot of ties in there. And they had a lot of games where they played well for a half or they struggled in the first half and then turned it on in the second half. What they, What's going to happen as they grow and as they mature and as you know, some of the some younger players like Andrew John Baptiste, as he develops, you're going to see a team that can give you more and more more games where it's 90 minutes, uh, where it's you know beginning to end. And, and I think that's that's when we're really going to see uh, just how far this team can go. And Ivis, uh, you blew up Twitter with this. There was a there was a fight after the game. Well, maybe not a fight, but like a, a scuffle. Well, I don't know if I call it a scuffle either. But basically, what happened was. Uh, so, so Jean Baptiste scores in what was either the third, fourth, or fifth minute of stoppage time, and I think it was the ninety. I think it was the ninety-fourth minute. Ninety-fourth minute, right? There were five minutes of stoppage time, and clearly Bruce Arena was not happy about that. And for whatever reason, he just like you know, he, they go for the post-game handshake, uh, Caleb Porter and Bruce Arena, and after they they do the quick handshake. Bruce Arena turns around and just flips out. And I don't know if he was flipping out at Porter or a fourth official behind Porter that was off camera. Uh, but, you know, it kind of almost looked like he was yelling at Porter. But you could kind of make out from, from Arena, you know, my, my dime store lip reading was his, he was yelling about the stoppage time. Like how the heck do you – well, he didn't say heck, but how the heck do you get five minutes? Five minutes of stoppage time. So he's flipping about that. And then uh, I don't know what Caleb Porter says to him, but maybe it was like, you're not talking to me, right? And then, <laughs> and then, and then Bruce Arena turns around and was like, you know, oh, what? F you or flip you. Whatever. They, there, was a, there was just some – there was a lot of, uh, you know. It, it, let me tell you, man. It was an intense game. And it, it was just kind of the, the, the lid blew off at the end and, and Bruce Arena flipped out. But, you know, in the end, they, they made up. They, they hugged it out. And I, I actually my, – my very first uh, – Uses of Vine. I finally downloaded Vine because uh, because of another incident actually in the Seattle San Jose game. Uh, but then I, I used the Vine to show both the shouting match and the hugging it out part. Uh, but it was funny. It was great. And and the best part about it was I actually in the beginning of the game in the first half I actually tweeted all this game needs is a shouting match between Arena and Porter because it was just that intense a game. It was a great game. I mean I can't wait. Until these teams meet again, I hope they meet in the playoffs. I guarantee someone it, told them too. They're probably just like, "Hey, by the <laughs> way, I just tweeted this out, and he, you yeah, know, it'd be yeah, really exactly. good, you know." Yeah, no, it's just you know, it's, it's no, no, Nostradamus. I got to drop it every now and then. But <laughs> stop, yeah, stop it. But, no, but look, look, last thing I'll say on this one is, I really hope these teams play in the playoffs. I really hope because it's just a great matchup. And I know, look, LA and our and we also Lakes is also great. Every time they play, it's great stuff. But the intensity. And just the, the, the tension there, uh, like it's and then you have Arena and Porter. You got Arena, who's like the most successful coach of all time in MLS, and now you have Caleb Porter, the upstart coach who's taken the league by storm. Uh, it's great stuff. And I and I, again, you know, Landon Donovan wasn't there. Will Johnson wasn't there. Mm-hmm. The be- arguably the best player for each team. Uh, you could argue Donovan's the second best to Rob Keane, but still, when those teams play again, uh, if they play in the playoffs again, it's going to be. It's going to be something else. The New York Red Bulls defeated the Montreal Impact 4-0. to zero. I mean, Montreal, I have tons of questions to, to address with their defense. They did not have a good game. But for the Red Bulls, they had a really good game. Alexander looked incredibly impressive out there. Henri had a really good game out there. I mean, he had two assists and a goal. And just a very impressive result for the New York Red Bulls. Right, without a doubt. I mean, look, I, 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 don't, know why, I don't know if anyone should be all that surprised with the outcome of that game because – it was just all lined up for that exact result because you had Montreal struggling. 
Montreal's defense an absolute mess. And then you had him going up against the Red Bulls team that is just really, they, they're good at home, right? They get it done at home. Terry Henry owns Montreal. It seems like every time he plays Montreal, especially at home, he, he has his way with them. And, uh, you know, anyone who follows him, you know that's going to happen. Uh, and that's why, again, you know, fantasy, just to, just to throw a little fantasy MLS in there, that's why I made Terry Henry my captain because you kind of just knew it was going to come down to that. Eric Alexander, I tell you what, that one for me, the way he's coming along. He's having a good really season. You know what? And this is the thing, right? It's not out of the it's not out of the blue, because anyone who remembers him in FC Dallas as a rookie remembers a guy who was really dynamic, a midfielder who could actually, you know, be a box to box guy, but really get into the attack and really go at people. I mean, there's a reason. I mean, he was called up to the U.S. national team uh, camp that January after his rookie year uh, by by Bob Bradley, and you know, there's a there was there's a reason for that, and and he obviously has struggled since then. To, to show that again, to get back to that level. Obviously, at Portland, he didn't settle in, and he, and he ends up in New York. And, and now he's starting to, you know, he's starting to come along, and, and he's taking advantage of the, of, the, of the lack of wing options there in New York. And he's not, obviously, he's not a winger. He's not a pure winger. He's more of a central midfielder, but he's made the most of it. And, and the Red Bulls are definitely reaping the, the rewards of that. And not that I want to dog on Montreal, but just when you watch them play and you watch the goals by the Red Bulls, the Montreal defense just doesn't really Ooh. challenge opponents like they should be doing. Why do you think that is? Or why, why you know do you... what? i tell you what. What? Alessandro Nesta looks pretty bad these days. I mean, I've seen the last few games now. And it's everyone. It, it's not just one person. I mean, there's no, multiple it's not just I mean, there's not just one person, no. But, I mean, when you talk about guys who are supposed to be the anchors of the defense and who are supposed to be the leaders of the defense, uh, I mean, and, like, it's true, like you said. Not, not every, every guy on that back line has had their problems the last few weeks defensively. I mean, I've seen Hasun Kamara struggle. Oh, yes. Jeff Brofsky, even Matteo Ferrari. who oh, he, twice, twice in this game he watched players go past him. Twice in this game for the first two goals. Well, well here's the thing, right? So, you know, if you're Montreal, I mean, I don't know what's going to – I think you have to go – you have to think about going to buy a defender. And it, and it, it's tough because, you know, they've already has, they already have – a decent amount of money invested in the Nesta and uh, and Ferrari. Not that Nesta's making a ton of money, but you know he's making you know he's Nesta. He's Alessandro Nesta, Italian legend. He's going to get paid, right? He's he's making he's making a decent salary. So I don't know if you're Montreal, you got you have to get the defense sorted out because you know what? It, it, there's it's just not good enough. And you know they the th- the thing is their attack is still pretty good, right? They still have Marco Devaio. Paponi, they Bernier, Justin Matt, they have good players, right? They're attacked. They can they will be able to score goals. They will score goals. The bio is gonna find the net. They're gonna generate goals, but the way they're giving up goals right now, I don't know who they beat. And I and, and you start to wonder, like, you know, they could they 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 finally fell out of first place. And and you know, it only takes a couple more losses, and all of a sudden they're starting to wonder about the playoffs. You know, we're talking about a team that was running away. With the Eastern Conference, and all of a sudden, right now, when you look at it, they're they're two points at a fifth place. Two points. Uh, Houston Dynamo currently in fifth place, and they're two points, only two points behind Montreal. And Montreal, you know, they still have game a game in at least one game in hand. On well, they have one game in hand on Houston. They have two games in hand on the other three top teams in the East. So hey, they can still make up points. But the thing about games in hand is you can't assume the results. And that, and and that people make that mistake all the time, and that's why there's this whole argument about, you know, when you when you list records, right? When you list standings, some people think, oh, points per game, it should be points per game. Uh, points per game is a better, a, a more 
fair measure of, of what teams are. And my I I refuse I do not absolutely do not buy that because points per game assumes a team's going to keep producing the same points mm-hmm. with all their games that they have. And that just doesn't happen. I'll never forget DC United, right? The DC, D- DC United uh, a couple years back uh, when Portland had their first season in the league. Uh, DC United, uh, they got the year Dwayne, Dwayne Rosario won MVP. Uh, they had a run at the end. They had a lot of games in hand. And everyone was like, oh, they're, you know, they're going to make the playoffs. They have all these games in hand. And I said, no, folks, you still have to get the points. They melted down at the end of the year, and they didn't make it. And it just, for me, shows like you can't assume. You can't assume games in hand are going to generate points. And I think with this Montreal team, they're in jeopardy of being in, being, having that happen to them now. They've got these games in hand. But if, you're, if your defense can't stop anybody. And they, got two, defense, they have two tough games coming up, too. They got FC Dallas and Sporting Kansas City. There you go. If you make Eric, I mean, no, listen, nothing against Eric Alexander. I think he's coming <laughs> along well. But if you make Eric Alexander look like Lionel Messi, you got problems. And he was folks. dancing through players in that he game. Was, dancing. He was, he, it was ridiculous. So, uh, you know what? I don't know what they got to do. They got to go buy a defender or do something because the way the Eastern Conference is shaking out, you know what? A month from now, they could be in fifth place. And if New England, you know what? If New England gets their act together, New England is, is, is knocking on the door. Mm-hmm. So a month from now, I'll tell you what, Montreal could all of a sudden be in a dogfight for their playoff lives. And we're talking about a team that only a few weeks ago were ahead, lapping the field in the Eastern Conference. I guess uh, clearly we all saw it like listen to the show because both you and I were like, oh, FC Dallas will probably take this game. But we also like goes out and defeats FC Dallas 3-0. to I mean, we're also like, you know, we keep talking about how great of a season they're having. I mean, they missed a ton of players in this game because of international duty. But they go out, they get the victory. I mean, almost Garcia scores again. I mean, I mean, when Ned Grabovoy scores, I mean, come on, that, you know you're going to get a victory when he scores. They defeat FC Dallas three to zero, and they are they have a nice little lead in the Western Conference right now. Well, listen. To be fair, when we pick, when I picked Dallas, I, you know, Real Salt Lake had never won a game in Texas ever. So, I mean, the track record was there. They they struggle in Texas. I spoke to someone uh, someone at Real Salt Lake and, and, and asked them. I was actually surprised by that stat. Uh, combining Houston and NFC Dallas, Real Salt Lake had never won in Texas before the Saturday. And I was like, and I, and I couldn't even believe that. And, and basically the, the response was, humidity is, is our kryptonite, you know, and, and that's been their problem, I guess, through the years. Uh, but, you know, I know Real Salt Lake was missing players, but so was FC Dallas. I mean, we got to be clear about that. W. Ferrer is still injured. He can't start. He, he came in as a cameo. George John was not there. Um, and and uh, Blas Perez was not there. Blas Perez is at the Gold Cup. So, I mean, those are some big cogs as well, right? I mean, to be fair, I know Real Salt Lake was missing some studs, some key guys, Beckerman, Saborio, and Romando, Beltran. But the thing with Salt Lake, and I said it last show, and I'm not going to repeat myself too much because mm-hmm. I know some people are complaining that you know we were you know too many, too much repetition from show to show. But I will say it again: Real Salt Lake's bench just gets it done every game. Doesn't matter who you bring in, they get it done. And you got to give Jason Christ and, and Garth Lagerway credit because they have built themselves a stacked and deep team. Yeah, and you also I mean, you're also getting some good play out of guys like Robbie Finley. I mean that's a blast from the past name right there. I mean he's not having he's having a pretty good season too. I mean they're having they're getting a lot of these guys. Ivis are having good career seasons, and you got to well, have so, that for a team when you're going for a championship. You got to have a lot of guys playing above their game. Well, I mean it's all these guys. I mean Carlos Salcido. I mean we're talking about a teenager. Love Carlos. Carlos is a teenage great player. center back who nobody would have 
predicted to get minutes this year, and he's actually playing well. So, I mean, you have him, you have Jao Plata, who's killing it as a you know, super sub off the bench. And for all those Toronto fans who insisted, I was I was clueless because you know when the trade went down, when when Toronto traded him to Real Salt Lake, I wrote you know I tweeted or I wrote you know hey that's a shrewd deal, that's a great deal for Real Salt Lake, it's a steal. And then you, had, you know, there's always and that's the thing I love this. I love when people uh, shoot down a player because that player struggled for their team. And it's like, folks, you can't assume, you can't just assume because. He didn't do well for your team. That he can't go be a bit better fit somewhere else, and and it, it happens, right? It happens, folks. So you can't just say, "Oh, well, he was awful for us." I don't know why you think he's going to do anything. It happens all the time. Atiba Harris, perfect example. When Vancouver unloaded him to Colorado, once again, I said, "Hey, that's a shrewd move. I like that move. He could definitely give them something. Give them something." And, and it was at a, you know, Pete, I don't know who it was. I mean, you know how it is. Twitter's Twitter. You're gonna have people who who just love ragging on everything that anyone says. And there were people like, no, Atiba Harris is terrible. He he hadn't done anything for us for two years. He's awful. Blah blah. blah. Look at Atiba Harris now. Atiba Harris now, he's he's been absolutely outstanding for Colorado. Yeah, and and it's it, people. It's the system. It's the system. Sometimes systems work out for certain players. I Sometimes they don't work out for other. Players, a uh, Seattle San Jose, a little bit of a sloppy game. I mean, Ziggy Schmidt was not really pleased after that, but San Jose still gets the victory, one to zero in this game. Um, you know, just a just a sloppy game for Seattle. Man, they, they they need to get the ball going here soon. A little bit of a sloppy game. This game, let me tell you, this was this, not not to get too much into hyperbole, <laughs> but I hope no, I I really pray. That they're, they're, that no nobody watched this game who had never watched an MLS game before, and and was using this game to kind of give them a sense of what MLS is about because this game set the league back ten years. Okay, no, not really, but it was awful, man. It was awful stuff. San Jose, you know what? And I know. Look, after the game, Sig Schmidt went on and on about. Here, the here's the quote. Plates. You ready? It's a funny quote. I have nothing against the coaching staff and nothing against the players, but today was just an ugly, 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 ugly game of soccer. He said all those uglies. <laughs> yes, well, and I agree with him. I, after the after the final, when I tweeted the final score, I wrote the same thing. Well, I didn't write. I didn't use five or six uglies. I just said <laughs> it was an ugly game, and it was, you know. And it's, and I don't know, man. I don't know what to make of the earthquakes, right? I mean, I know what to make of them, but I don't know what you do. What do you say? I mean, they just do what they do. They they they, and it's not just all uh, physical hard nose. No, man. You know what? It, you, you have to wonder. You have to ask yourself, where is the line? I mean, Stephen Linhart, you know, God bless him, the guy, you know, he hustles. He has some skill, clearly. But, I mean, some of the stuff he does is just, I, I don't know. It's, it's for me, I, I just think it's indefensible. I just think it's not, this stuff, after a while, you can't say it's an accident. After a while, when he's injuring players, when he's getting into these altercations, he everything he does is on purpose. Everything he does is with intent. He doesn't accidentally step on a player. He doesn't accidentally uh, crash into them. It's unbelievable. I mean, I watched this game, right? And I'm watching him, and it's it's absolutely amazing to me. I mean, I saw one sequence where uh, when, when uh, uh, Seattle defender is on his back, right? He feels that defender on his back. Mm-hmm. And then he, then he, with his own body, like bucks his body so it looks like he just got shoved in the back. And it wasn't a shove in the back. It was him absolutely... Like just, just faking it, just absolutely throwing himself in the air to look like he was fouled. He draws the free kick. 
they didn't score on it, but it's just, I mean, it's all this stuff. Michael Sperney, he, he, you know, he could be out for a long term, for a while with a long term injury. And again, it's an, it's a play. Steven, he has the ball. Steven Lenhart has plenty of time to get away from him, to avoid him. But no, he steps in on a challenge, steps on his arm. And now, and now Sperney could be out for quite some time. And I mean, that stuff, I mean, I don't, I, like, I, you know what? I, and I tweeted it. I said, you know what? Love him or hate him, he's entertaining. And yes, that it is true. He's entertaining, but he's entertaining like a like a like a car wreck in NASCAR is entertaining. And 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 but that, and, and that's not what it should be about, right? It what are you talking about? about? I love car crashes in NASCAR. They're great. Yeah, but you know what? This it should it should really shouldn't be about that. I mean, at the end of the day, <laughs> for the good of the sport, it shouldn't be that what you what you promote, right? And I just feel like I don't know, man. I don't know what to make of it because I mean, for me, Linhart can be a good soccer player. He can play well. He can score. He can pass. And it, but oh man, all this other stuff. It, like you know, maybe he needs. Maybe he needs you as the coach. You could you know well, prep you know him. You could he, tell no, him you know that he's good he at other things. He needs the referees to stop letting him get away with this stuff because it's happening every game. And and this it came to me last night as I'm watching this game. The analogy that comes to mind is like he's like the big brother who has mastered the art of get of doing crap and getting away with it. What? No, time out. Time out. As an older brother, the little brother always figures it out. He always no, puts the blame no. on the older brother. Come on. No. Whatever. Anyway, that's not it. Look, they get, just because you're warped family <laughs> stop it is that stop way. it my family's not warped stop it <laughs> i'm just saying let's not interject your situation as a parent though and as a parent with two boys uh the the older one is, is smarter he can get away with a lot especially if there's a gap in age and but again we're getting away from the point the point is <laughs> he has mastered the art of get of of doing things and getting away with things when referees aren't looking but the and the funny thing is cameras always catch it cameras it's clear as day, but here he is. He still gets away with it. He still does it over and over and over. And, and I remember having this conversation with Frank, uh, Frank Yellow, the former San Jose coach, a year ago about it. And, and, and he even said, he said, you know what? He, there are times when he just gets caught up in that stuff, and it, and it takes over his game, and, and, and that's all he wants to do. And, and I feel like this Seattle game was a perfect example of that. Everything he was doing was, was, was attempts to, to draw contact, to get involved, and, and, and go at players. And, and, and I, I remember, again, and I'm not trying to name drop here, but it's all coming, like all these examples talking to people about Lenhart. Omar Gonzalez. I talked to Omar Gonzalez last year about him. And, and, and he, he was like, you know what? You have to expect that stuff because he, he is trying nonstop for 90 minutes to get under your skin. And you can't let it get to you, and that's all well and good. But I, th- I feel like he crosses that line. I feel when you talk about that spurning play, or or him crashing into opponents all, all the time. I mean, I don't know, man. I, I I don't know what I don't know what can happen. I don't know what has to happen. And I'm sure San Jose fans are going to flip out and think I'm 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 targeting him. But no, you know what? I'm pretty sure I'm not alone in thinking this guy needs to get it together. He needs to. Someone needs to get him under control. Because this stuff, it's not good for the league. For like, it just it just leads to ugly soccer, and and, and it, it, I just don't think that helps the league. I guess the Houston Dynamo defeated the New England Revolution two to one. I think if there was a trick shot competition in the MLS All Star Game, which there should be, also a skill competition, I think there should be. I think you could easily put Adam Moffat in there after his two goals in this game. Well, let's face it, long range blasts. 
don't necessarily work as well in a trick shot competition because I mean I think <laughs> I think a lot of uh, MLS players can hit long range blasts in a you know without defenders around them. But I'd say Adam, but few can do like Adam Moffitt does in game situations. Uh, just put him on net. I mean I don't know. I think he has to have like a half dozen of these outrageous shots uh, in his MLS career uh, and. You got to give Houston credit. I mean, I, I I can't think many people that saw them going on the road, getting all three points from New England. And New England, you know, they had their chances. Um, they, I, I just, you know what, I got to give Houston the credit there because they, they, even though they, they relied on Moffitt to score these two goals, you know, I thought they, I thought they played well for, for being on the road and, and playing a tough team in New England, a team that's really tough to, uh, a team with a defense that's just so tough to break through against. And, and they managed to do it twice. Obviously, it took two amazing strikes from Moffitt, but, uh, you know, they got it done, and, and you're starting to get that sense that Houston's starting to wake up. Do you think they're, once, you know, once players obviously start returning from injury, I mean, do you think Houston could be a team that, that comes out of the East that could be a force to be reckoned with, you know, what we saw last year, too? Absolutely. I mean, I don't know. I don't think anyone is, I don't think anyone is, is going to be that shocked if that happens. I mean, they've done it before, right? They, they've had struggles in the first half of the season, and then they get their act together and they'll be fine. And, you know, once they have, Brad Davis back once they have Will Bruin back, they're going to be fine. There will, you know, Dom Kinnear is too good a coach uh, to to not get them together, not get their act straight when it comes down to it, when it gets down to the nitty gritty. I mean, his resume speaks for itself, and they had, and I, you know, they have the talent. This is the team. I mean, at one point, I thought, I, you know, they they were almost my pick to win the whole thing uh, before the season began. Um, and then my well, the team I actually picked isn't doing so hot either, Seattle Sounders. Uh, but you know what? They're going to be fine, and they're going to be right there in that mix. And uh, I think it's it's still it's still the same as it was beginning of the year. So it's going. I think it's going to be Kansas City and Houston. Although I, I do think New York has done better than I thought they would do. I think Pecky, Mike Pecky has done better as a, as a first year head coach than I thought he would do. So you can't rule them out. I think they're kind of forcing their way into that conversation as well. Ivis and other MLS. Action! The Philadelphia Union defeated Chivas USA three to one. Very controversial red card in this game that 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 before led to an indirect kick, which is was interesting to see. But Jose Soto bumped the ref. Red card came out. Eric Avila almost got a red card too. And then Dan Kennedy was throwing players out of the way. Very controversial game. Well, I'd say this right. I think the Union were on their way to winning that game. I think they were starting to take over the game before the red card. But I do think the red card was a terrible call. Uh, it was an awkward play. A ball, a ball coming in into the box, a loose ball. Uh, Connor Casey was going for the ball. Edgar Mejia was st- stepping at him and was going to try to block uh, what was pro- what he saw was going to be a Connor Casey pass. And then Connor Casey whiffs on the pass attempt. Right, <laughs> he just misses it, and which uh, Mejia is not expecting. Mejia is 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 diving in to try to block a cross attempt from Connor Casey. Which, as you're watching the play, if you watch it in slow mo, it's clear as day. That's what's happening. But when Casey whiffs, the ball rolls in, catches Mejia's uh, – Mejia, uh, yeah, Mejia's sliding foot, and that, that, and that kick goes to Dan Kennedy. It was not intentional, and I know some Union fans will argue it to the end. I will say it was definitely not intentional. But, again, it was uh, – you know, referee calls it uh, awkward call. Ter- for me, a bad call. But then, you know, and then... And then very very sloppy Soto, game in general, too. Lots of players slipping everywhere with the yeah, rain and everything. Game. The weather was awful. But then Jose Soto just, uh, you know, does this, like the stomach bump. Yeah, it wasn't the, even that ref- bad. It was, you know, it was a little awkward because the, the referee was kind of stepping to the side 
And uh, you, you just got to give him room there. You just got to give him room. You can't let that happen. And uh, I don't know. I, I, I thought it was a little harsh. The whole thing was harsh. But you know what? I, it, it's tough on Chivas, right? That's a tough, that's a tough, tough sequence for them to overcome. And uh, it really soured a game that I thought, you know what? I, again, I, I still, I think the Union were on their way to win that game. I thought, I thought that some of the subs they made ha- had helped the team really kind of take charge in that game. But you know, the red card really soured it. Um, and uh, I think spoiled what what was what could have been you know uh, unquestioned victory for the Union. But you know what? At the end of the day, the Union won't care. They're going to take three points. They need them. Mm-hmm. Uh, another game: Sporting Kansas City defeated Toronto FC three to zero. And the hottest player in the league, Camilo, uh, scored two more goals in a Whitecaps three to one victory over the Chicago Fire, who appeared to be brought down to earth a little bit. Well, look, going going up to to Vancouver and winning on the road was never going to be easy. Um, but and again, Camillo is just playing out of his mind right now. He can't be stopped. And with Sporting KC, I got to say, Suni Saad played a great match. Uh, and, and just with all the forwards they have there, you know, Kai Kamara, um, Claudio Beeler, Teal Bunbury coming back, Dom Dwyer back from loan, uh, and and then and now CJ Sapong has gone on loan to Orlando City. Uh, it just, it's just an embarrassment of riches there at forward. And now here he is, Suni Saad. Who, who who is still young enough that he could still be in college. Uh, he left the University of Michigan as a freshman, but, I mean, promising young player, great finisher, natural finisher. He could be Mike McGee 2.0 down the road, in my opinion, just because he reminds me a lot. Like, him him at a young age reminded me of McGee at a young age, where McGee, when he was, like, only 18, was just a natural finisher. And that's what this Sunisad kid is. And now he's starting to kind of come around and, you know, maybe he still has more developing to do, but definitely keep an eye out for that name because Sunni Saad has a pretty bright future. I also want to point out that uh, Camilo in his last 13 games, Ivis, has 12 goals. I'm sorry, last 13 starts. That goes back to April 13th. 12 goals in his last 13 starts. Very impressive. Killing it. Yes. Uh, in the 2013 FIFA U20 World Cup, which is finally ended I don't know if you can draw a saving grace or a silver lining for U.S. men's national team fans, but I think, obviously, some fans will. France wins it all. Ghana finishes third. So it goes to show that the U.S. was clearly in the toughest group. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, that's got to go down as one of the toughest groups ever, right? When you talk about a first-place team, a third-place team, and then Spain, who was the favorite going into the tournament, uh, who, you know, you can argue, for me, one of the top five teams at least in that tournament. So right there, three of the top, in my opinion, three of the top five teams in that entire tournament were, were in the U.S.'s group. So that's, a, you know, you have to look at that. You have to look at that and maybe say, you know what, maybe we're a little hard on, on Tab Ramos. I mean, he still made his mistakes. He still, still, you know, hey, where's Walker Zimmerman? You know, we can get in all that. But it was always going to be get a, You want to get into that. Hey, Whatever. It's, it's water <laughs> under the bridge. But I think maybe you have to put that into context when thinking back on this U20 team. Mm-hmm. And then there was, a, you know what? There's a lot of talent in this U20 player pool, and it's going to be fun seeing those guys develop. Ivis, we've reached the end of the show. That means, as always, it's the SBI Q&A. Before Ivis and I record the show, Ivis always sends out a tweet saying, uh, do you have any questions, blah, 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 hashtag ask the SBI show. So everyone who follows Ivis on Twitter, thank you so much. You can also follow me, too, if you want. Uh, first question comes from Leo Brizino. Can St. Louis be the next Portland or never going to happen in MLS? I don't want to say never, but I just I just don't get I don't get the sense that they're in this in, in this window of, of potentially happening soon. 
Uh, I mean, I know they have fans there, but you know, it, it still comes down to to having the owners right that have the pock the deep pockets and the commitment to spend the money that it's going to take to to not only buy the team but to 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 operate it uh, in a competitive fashion. So I'd say I, I wouldn't hold my breath on St. Louis. I, I think it'd be great if it were part of the league. I don't know if it would be Portland in terms of just popularity. I think that I think that's a little. It's so it's tough to say, right? I mean, you only you can't know until uh, I, I I think that'd be tough to duplicate. Though Portland is it's just pretty special. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't hold my breath on uh, St. Louis just yet. A question just came in, Ivis. This is from Peter Howard. Shouldn't you be sleeping? <laughs> no, this we record this show crazy late. Um, next question comes from Campbell Blake. Do you expect any changes to the U.S. Gold Cup roster prior to the knockout stage? And if so, who? Well, I'll tell you what. Breck Shea looks like he needs a, a vacation or he needs to go to Stoke City. I just don't know what he can give you at this point. Uh, I'm looking at the schedule, and here's the thing, right? Brad Davis is injured. Um, so if he were not injured, I think he'd be a good example of someone to bring in because uh, if, if you look at the schedule, uh, the Houston Dynamo are actually on a bye week next week. So, uh, it, it would be less of an impact on on the Dynamo if uh, if Zeus, if uh, Brad Davis were called in, but uh, unless he's healthy and just getting healthy, or, or, or I just you know if he's still hurt, he's not going to get called in. Obviously, I think they need a midfielder. Graham Zusi is someone who you know who makes sense. Um, so that that's that's an interesting one. You know, if you're Jurgen Klinsmann, do you pull him off the of Sporting KC? Uh, especially when they have a tough game against Real Salt Lake coming up on the weekend. Uh, I mean, to be fair, you could make the argument that it would almost be fair to take Zuzi, considering you already have Beckerman, Beltran, and Ramondo from Real Salt Lake. So I, don't, I, I would say maybe folks should keep an eye out for that one. Maybe Graham Zuzi does the, does get the call, and, and, and it would it would definitely make make it interesting, uh, if only because there's this whole. Uh, subplot of Landon versus Zussi, and is Zussi's gonna is Zussi gonna take Landon's spot? All all that, uh, and I would argue, why can't you play them together, right? So I think this could be an opportunity to play them together. Play play Zussi on the right wing, play Donovan up top, or play them on the, on the wings together, one on one on each wing. So I think that one wouldn't shock me. Um, and and then maybe a defender. You know, I, I, let, let's yeah, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. Let's see how this Costa Rica game goes because if Oguchi Onyewu struggles or if Clarence Goodson struggles, then you, if you're if you're a Klinsman, you got to think maybe I need to bring in Omar Gonzalez or maybe I need to bring in Matt Beesler. The next question comes from Michael Magnum. Most MLS leaders have pretended at some point this season. RSL contender or pretender? Uh, they're contender without a doubt. Oh yes, they are. And and again, I think it comes down to the fact that. Uh, their their bench has been so good. They've had so many players step up, and and Jason Christ, you got to give him credit. He's done a really good job of slotting guys in and putting them in positions to succeed. So now, once you get all these other guys back uh, in a couple of weeks, um, you you know you're going to have your starting eleven, but then you're going to have these other guys that you can rotate in and out, keep fresh legs, help you when you have these extra games. Obviously, they still have the Open Cup semifinal, Portland on the schedule, so. Uh, this month's going to be fun to watch. They play Portland, I think, three times in in a, in a span of a few weeks. That those are going to be amazing games. But they are absolutely for real. Uh, next question comes from David. Since it's just David, I'll give us the handle at Portland Padre. Question: Is time for Lenhart to serve a long suspension or not? R. E. Spurning incident. 
that's it. You know, he, he kind of read my mind on that. Uh, I don't I don't know how long or I don't know if it is long, but I think something uh, something's got to give there. Right. I mean, he has a reputation. Stephen Linhart has a reputation for questionable plays. And the fact is he came in late on that challenge. You know, you can't you have to have some regard for the health of your opponents. And he didn't have it there. He stuck his foot in. Uh, and now Spurning's injured, and he could end up having, you know, missing some time. And uh, you know what? Going along my rant, my Lenhart rant earlier, you know, maybe this is MLS's opportunity to kind of to to, to send a message to Lenhart and say, listen, you need to you need to cut this crap out. You need to play cleaner. You need to stop with all you know all this nonsense and just play soccer. And uh, maybe once he starts missing games, then you know what? He's gonna have to. He's gonna to have to cut some of this stuff out. He has to. It's just, it just, it just can't stand. You know, I mean, if referees aren't gonna do it, if referees are not gonna give him the punishment that he's earning, then you know what? Maybe the league has to step in. Uh, next question, Ivis, comes from Thew. Prediction: Who starts at right back for the U.S. Men's National Team versus Costa Rica, both on Tuesday and in the September World Cup qualifier? Well, I tell you what, <laughs> picking Tuesday starter is very is is much easier for me. I got to go Marco Parkers. When it comes to September, you know, obviously Steve Trillino with his surgery, you know, he's not not an option there. Uh, so then where do you go? You know, I mean, Timmy Chandler, who knows what his deal is at this point, how committed he is. Uh, I, you know, what? I would he's someone that, you know, you would like to be able to count on. But I, I'll throw this one at you. I'll throw this one at you. Just come. It just mm-hmm. came to me recently. Fabian Johnson at right back. What? Now here's why. Let me tell you why. Obviously, this you know Torundolo's got the injury. Timmy Chandler, you don't know what's going on. If Timmy Chandler can't play, and I and I think he's someone who you know for what Klinsman wants and what he likes, I would normally pencil in Timmy Chandler, right? But we don't know what his deal is. We don't know you know if he's going to be around. He's always seems to get hurt or whatever when it's time to you know get called in by the U.S. team. Um, if Timmy Chandler's not available. Fabian Johnson's right-footed, right? Why can't he play? Why can't you play him at right back? DeMarcus Beasley at left back. Uh, on the left wing and Graham Zussi on the right wing. Boom, there you go. You got your lineup. It's simple as that. Josie Altidore, Clint Dempsey up top. Michael Bradley, Jermaine Jones in the middle. That, for me, that, there's your lineup. There's your lineup. I know, I know, listen, Fabian Johnson, yes. Left winger, he, get, he gives you a lot. He can be great. Left back, he can give you a lot. He can be great. But you know what? Uh, when sometimes when things are you know when you don't have all hands on deck or, or when there's a position that you just have to address and and, and folks Costa Rica in September full strength Costa Rica team you're, you're talking Brian Ruiz Brian Ruiz their dangerous dangerous uh, attacker from Fulham he's a guy who loves to operate on the left wing and you need help there there you go Fabian Johnson at right back. Uh, and the last question comes from Kelly Mullins. Is Ziggy in danger of being fired as Saunders coach? Should he be in danger? Or is he in danger? I think that's probably better to say it. You know what? I, I, I don't see, I don't see where, how this is even a question, honestly. I mean, I know I get the frustration from Saunders fans, right? Because this is supposed to be the year. This is supposed to be the team. This is supposed to be when it all comes together. You, you've, you've shipped off Freddie Montero. Who's now about to, you know, make you know make a big move over to, to Portugal? Uh, you've made all these moves. You go sign Obafemi Martins. You trade for Shalri Joseph. 
um, you know, this is supposed to be the team. And they're not getting it done. Uh, in fairness, I mean, they've had a lot of injuries. Uh, Ozzy Alonso, that's such a big, big injury for them. I know he came back. Um, and you, did we even talk about that game, by the way? Oh, no, we did. We did. We yeah, talked we did. About we it. Ta- we did talk it was about such that, an yeah. ugly game. I forgot about. about you gave me crap for calling it like a sloppy mess or something like that. Right. Well, again, it's, <laughs> I, I can't believe I didn't talk about the uh, the phantom red card issued to Osvaldo Alonso. But listen, folks, that was not a red card. Uh, anyone, you know, I, I I I did the Vine video of the incident. Clearly, he did not. He did not punch him in the face. He did not strike him. The the, the linesman did. You know, he whatever it was, he made the he made a bad call. The red card, in my opinion, probably gets rescinded. But again, that was his first game back in in, in weeks. So they've missed him. They they've had other injuries. Eddie Johnson obviously missed games for qualifying. You know what? I, all teams deal with that stuff here and there. But it, it's been clear that unlike Real Salt Lake, where you know they've had guys be absent for injuries and otherwise, mm-hmm. and they've been able to plug in their bench guys. Seattle's been a different case. Seattle, the team hasn't quite meshed, especially when they haven't had all hands on deck. So I think it's still early. I, I don't, I don't, I don't. Siggy Schmidt's one of the best coaches in the history of MLS, right? I think you could argue that only Bruce Arena is a clear cut uh, better coach as far as results, as far as his resume. I mean, I don't, I don't see how you're going to fire him already. Or, the, you know, if, if your struggles, again, it's early. If they don't make the playoffs, then, hey, you know, there's going to be some questions marks. But I, 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 there's, there's too much soccer to be played. I think they're going to get it together. They're going to turn it around. I think I, I still see them in the playoffs. I, I do. I, I just think they have way too much talent. And I, and, I, and I think it's way too early for people to start pressing the panic button. Well, Ivis, that wraps up the Q&A. As always, everyone, thank you so much for the questions you give us. We appreciate it. And for people asking, oh, why am I – Ivis and I just pick questions out at random, whatever we like for that day. So just keep sending us questions. We will eventually get to you if you keep sending us questions. We promise that. Ivis, that wraps up the show today, man. Uh, very, very long show on a Sunday night for you and I. This was a marathon. This was like this, – if this isn't the longest show we've ever had, I would be highly surprised. Yes, I'm, I'm going to pass out for like two days after this show. I'm exhausted. <laughs> well, I tell you what, uh, you know, I know some folks uh, don't like the longer shows, but I, you know, I think this was a pretty good show. I think we were able to to get some good rants going. And 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 listen, folks, you know what? Uh, don't please don't take offense to opinions. You know, if we have an opinion on a player that's a player from your team, it's not because we hate your team. It's just an opinion. We're you no, know it's what? Cause, it's because we hate you. <laughs> yeah, there you go. It, when it comes down to it, I am not a fan of any team, so it makes it easier for me to to be objective on on all these teams. And I don't have any vendettas against teams. Mm-hmm. I don't like teams any teams more than others. Unlike Garrett, who loves Real Salt Lake. That's stop uh, it. <laughs> Why do you keep saying that? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I do love Real Salt Lake, though. <laughs> there you go. See, you're admitting it. But look, so you know what? I, I just look. I just try to keep it real. If your team deserves praise, they're going to get it. If your team deserves criticism, they're going to get it. And and that and that's all we're going to try to keep bringing you folks because I can tell you one thing: there's way too much homerism. Homer, I don't. That's not. I just. You know what? Maybe that's not a word. Is it? But hom- it should be a word. Homerism. Too much Homer uh, nonsense out there. Whether whether it's uh, reporting, whether it's TV commentary. It's way too much, so it's mm-hmm. tough to t- tough to really get a sense sometimes about uh, what really is. I find it amazing sometimes when when I'll be watching a game and and like I'll look in my Twitter feed and and see polar opposite reactions to everything, and it'll be and it's just you know it, it, some people you you can't help it right if you love a team 
if you root for a team or even if you work for a team or if you cover a team too much, you know, it, it's just easy to kind of like get it, build the filter where you only see things a certain way. And at the end of the day, we're going to try to be as objective as possible. And that, and that means talking about everybody, talking about the West Coast, the East Coast, Canadian teams, American teams. That's all we want to do, folks. We just want to keep it real. I agree. Uh, Ivis, you have a, enjoy the game on Tuesday, man. Yes, sir. We, we will be in Hartford, uh, full coverage. SBI staff will be hitting the road, and we will be there uh, to provide all the coverage. So make sure you're checking out SBI uh, throughout the week, and uh, we, we'll have pregame, in-game, and post-game coverage. And we'll have our next episode of the SBI show right after that game. That is true. Also, rumor has it that Garrett Cleverly might be making a cameo appearance at Lucky's Pub in Houston for the game on Tuesday. So uh, <laughs> so if anyone's out there listening to this show, I might be there on Tuesday. Just look for the really short ginger kid. I'll be there. And if you're in East Hartford, or no, not East Hartford, if you're in Hartford, Connecticut on Monday night, the day before the U.S. game, uh, make sure you check out the AO party, uh, the, their pregame party. They always do a great job uh, putting together these pregame parties. I don't know how many people are traveling from around the country to Hartford for this game, but if you happen to be in town, uh, hit it up. I don't actually have the the bar in front of me where the game is, but I'm sure you can find it pretty easily online. Uh, I will be there, so uh, make sure you say hi if you're going to be there. Yeah, and say hi to me too. I'm not the short ginger kid, but I am short. Um, I just enjoy the game on Tuesday. Have a safe trip uh, up north. Uh, thanks, man, and yeah, stay cool in Houston. I know how hot it's it can so get there. humid it's- out here. I don't know how people do it, man. I'm sweating just from being on the phone with you right now. It's it's disgusting, man. I mean, I know Arizona people bitch it's like one ten out there, but it's a dry heat out here, dude. I got I hey. got I got off the train. First off, I was on a train for, <laughs> I was on a train for twenty eight hours, okay? I get off the train and I'm like I'm like sweating balls within like two seconds. I don't know how people do it out here. I, I gotta give people living humidity respect. I don't know how you guys do it. I'll tell you what, the hottest I've ever been in my entire life uh-huh. was in Houston. It was in two thousand and three. I was in Houston for the USA Mexico game. Actually, the game where Manchester United scouted Tim Howard, uh, and I tell you what, I had to run from my rental car to the hotel because it was like literally like sizzling my skin. The heat. It was May, and I swear I don't know how it was. You couldn't even breathe outside. So I and I feel I feel for anyone who I love Houston. I love trying to go there, but you know what? When it's really, really hot, you do not want to be there. I'm worried about their hair. I'm having like hair issues out here already, and I have great hair. It's it's ruining my rep out here, Ivis. Everyone's <laughs> looking at me. It's not bad. I'm, I'll be in, I'll be in Houston for a day uh, in September, uh, on my way back from San Jose, Costa Rica. I got a little bit of a layover. I'm going to be in Houston on September, Sunday, September 8th. I'm going to go check out my boy Vance Lawrence, who's a pretty big time DJ. Uh, out there uh he, i'm gonna make sure to try to hit up the club where he's where he's at that night and uh uh you know if, if you find i think i feel bad i don't know his twitter handle but he's a class act big time soccer fan and a, and a and a big big dj now he's uh he's starting to blow up nice good for him well i just uh enjoy the game on tuesday everyone else Enjoy the game on Tuesday. Ivis and I will be back again with a show on Wednesday morning. We will recap the Costa Rica game. Ivis, like I said, have a safe trip. Thanks, man. Thank you. <laughs> I'm upset. I'm, I'm, I know. You're falling asleep, man. I'm falling asleep, too. I know, I'm dying here. The last five minutes. Mind you, I, yeah, we're still recording the show. So, everyone, as always, thank you. Enjoy the game. Thank you, as always, for listening to the SBI Show.